you know, just God, I need a word. You just open the Bible up and hope you find a scripture. Sometimes that works, sometimes it don't. Uh, everybody does that. As I laid up here in this floor, prayed for a while, and I, I began to think about service, uh, who's typically in our services up here on Sunday mornings. And I had something come to my spirit, and, and then the Lord put Isaiah 42 and 8 in my spirit, and I went and looked it up and began to read, and it just is exactly uh, the direction I felt. So let me let me read, start at verse 8. I'm the Lord that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things, if I say new things, do I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Singing to the Lord a new song, if I say a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. I'm going to go to Ezekiel 36, 26. You do not have to turn there unless you want. Very close to where you are now uh, as far as books, but it is a very familiar and I guess somewhat famous scripture among us at times. It's Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart. I say a new heart. New heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stone, take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and will give you a heart of flesh. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Touch us here today, God. To every heart, every soul, every person here today, God. We give you praise and glory and honor, God, for what you're going to do, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Church, say amen. amen. I am behind on putting stuff on podcasts. The Lord will not try to put some of that on here today. So in case you have not heard um, the, the series that I finished up, it was a three-part called Preparation Precedes Progress. Started that beginning of the year. And like I said, as I was seeking God about direction for Sunday morning services, I like to have a running serious subject thought, whatever, along the lines that I, I did feel something. And I felt direction in my prayer. And God gave me this verse that I, I read to you today. Him saying, you know, I'm Lord. That's his name. He's I'm not going to give his glory to anybody else. God's a jealous God. And he doesn't like to share, which none of us do. But he said he was going to do a new thing, to give us a, a new song. And God's not going to settle for junk in our life. Amen? And that's why I kind of went through this series, talking about getting the junk out of our life, the junk getting things cleansed, clean, killing some things, getting our closets cleaned out. Those who was here on Sunday morning heard them. But once we get that closet cleaned out, all cleaned up in our lives, we cannot leave it empty. Amen. Emptiness is important in our lives. 
it was only empty vessels that was filled with the oil and um, the widow woman when Elisha told her to go borrow empty vessels. If he goes say borrow vessels that had something in it. God will only come inside of us if we're empty. So that's why I went through that, that series of preparing for progress. We can't, we can't progress in God if our lives are full of junk. We go clean out junk, it leaves residue. And there's you'll find there's some things that you just you can't even fix it. You can't even restore it. It just gotta be thrown away. Gotta be killed. But the danger is if we get our hearts, our lives cleaned out, so many people do this. I see them come to God's house. I couldn't count the times, Brother Donnie. I've seen people come to church and and a drug addict, perhaps, and maybe somebody who's uh uh, down and out and miserable and all that. They come to church desperate. And Brother Cliff, they'll fall on an altar and they will totally and completely empty themselves out. You see real tears flowing out of their eyes. You see them sincere. You know that they're just pouring themselves completely and totally out to they're totally empty. And even seeing God fill them with the Holy Ghost. And they've got this new life. They, 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 uh, a new place inside of them that they want God to be in but as they walk out of the church they just leave that spot empty we can't leave ourselves empty even though we come to God and we empty ourselves of all the junk inside of us sister Michelle we can't leave ourselves empty we've got to put something in there you ever notice in your house when you uh, decide to do some spring cleaning and such and things like that and you begin to clean out closets or clean out corners and, and now you've got this empty spot. It seems like through the process of time if, if it's left empty you'll put something else there. You know, we just cleaned out Bethany's uh, well actually Jacob's over and Bethany's cleaned hers out herself and then so Jacob moved into hers because it's a bigger room and and then it left another room that was kind of, I, I took it over as an office and I uh, got the desk in there and uh, moved the my gun cabinet in there. But before we done all that, there was just a desk in there and a chair and a lamp. And when you walked in, though, it was just echoing. You could tell it was empty. Something void inside of it. And that's what happens in our lives. There's a void inside of us. And we, we need something inside of us once we get ourselves cleaned out we need something new and, and, and lo and behold my sister Cheryl I'm like I, this is going to be my office but here she comes and says you know what we need in there but this is my office why do you think we need something in there we need something new in here we're going to find a chair what do you need a chair in here for so I can sit in here. This is my office. What well, you got to sit in here for? It's okay. I'll use, I used to cheer this morning. Here's the problem. Matthew 12, 43 said, When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. When he come, he finds it empty, swept and garnished. This exactly the series I just finished. Is taking the closet. I was talking about cleaning out closet. What I'm really talking about is cleaning out our heart, our spirit. 
cleaning out the junk out of us and cleansing the residue that junk of life uh, causes and even having to take some things and killing it to get, get it totally cleaned and ready. And this is what happens. We come to God and we empty ourselves. And, and, and when we do, when we empty ourselves, we're, we empty out some spirits in our life, okay? Anybody not read Bishop White's book, uh, The Twelve Apostles of Hell? Brother Donnie's finished. we got some other ones. That's, that's, I've got a couple books that's floating around. If you're interested, let me know. Um, I'll try to get it to you once somebody's done with it. I, I'd like to get on some more copies. But, hey, we all deal with spirits. If you read that, if you read that book and you can't recognize that nearly every one of them spirits you're dealing with spirits among every one of them categories. You're lost. Okay. I read through that thing and I realized, man, there's so many different spirits that I've allowed to just entertain in my world. We're all dealing with spirits. But see, but when we empty ourselves out with God, the place is empty. The Bible goes on to say, then he goes and taketh with him seven more spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last day of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also to this wicked generation. See, I've seen good people, Brother Donnie, come to church. People that never had bad habits. You know, people who never smoked, they never drank, they never cursed, anything like that. They come to the house of God and, and God saves them and all this. And then they walk away from church and all of a sudden things they never used to ever do. Now then we see them. They're, they're addicted to drugs, alcohol, all these different things. What happened to that person? You see, they come to God and they had an empty heart and emptied themselves out. But when you leave the church, the devil don't. When he comes back to you, he doesn't come back by himself. He brings some friends with him. That's why when people, you hear it all the time, somebody says, man, they used to go to church, but now they're worse than they've ever been in their life. It's because the devil goes brings him some partners. He's like, look, I wasn't strong enough the first time. I need me some help. So the devil gets some, some help and comes back. So we can't leave that closet that we've cleaned out preparing for, for great progress in our life this year. We can't leave it empty but we've got to fill it with something new like Sister Cheryl trying to fill up my office. I, I plan on putting a treadmill in there that's downstairs so I get healthy. I don't know if i got room for it now. She's got a coffee table in there. She's got a lamp. Stuff stacked over here. Come on. Seven more devils going to be in that place where it gets done. No, I'm kidding. I don't care if this sure will be in there. But our heart is a closet that we've got to get this junk out of. And by now, this heart is empty, and we can't leave it that way. Any of you ladies ever decide, I've heard such sure do this. I, it's time for a close. Clothes clean. Clothes clean out the closet. I think, oh God. There's not but one reason she wants to clean that closet. She wants to put more in there. Time for a new gun. <laughs> Come on. Looking to make room for something new. Today I'm going to start a new series. So I'm going to run four, five after this one. Four, four after this, a total of five. We'll talk about over the next several weeks about a new heart. Because if we're going to get this old place cleaned out inside of us, we can't put that old heart back inside of us. We got to put something new in there. You see, while we're talking about the heart, you see, the heart is the most important organ in our body. 
We can live without a lung. You can take a lung out and still live. You can take a kidney out. You can still live. We, we can live without a lot of parts of our body. We can live without fingers, hands. Um, no, you're talking about Kevin having this surgery with his eye. He's got one eye that's blind. I mean, not basically you can't hardly see an eye in there. And the other eye is legally blind. And I hate for the young man, I say young man, he's 40-something now, but um, I'd hate for him to go blind. But you know what? You can live without your eyes. Matter of fact, uh, this one guy, I don't remember his name, he, he doesn't have any arms or legs. And he does more than many of us do daily. We can live without parts of our body, but you can't live without a heart. You must have a heart. They've tried to create artificial hearts, and some people live for a little while with them. Thankful they can do some heart transplants. They can take a heart from someone else now and put it in the body, but that don't always work. Sometimes the body rejects that heart. Thankful they can crack a chest open now, and they can do heart surgery, and they can clean out arteries, and they can uh, put stents in, in, in the hearts and such, but the heart's very, very important to our physical body. You see, the heart is the central pump. It is the powerhouse that circulates the blood through our body. The heart is the source that provides oxygen and it is what provides energy to all the cells of our body. It is, the heart is a truly amazing, amazing organ in our body. It is the most amazing one in it. Although the heart just weighs somewhere between 7 to 15 ounces. The heart pumps roughly 2,000 gallons of blood through your body every day. Your heart beats about 100,000 times per day. They say that is about 35 million times per year. The human heart will beat more than uh, an average lifespan 2.5 billion times. That is a lot of beats. It's located. It's not located in your foot. It's not located in your head. It's not located in your arms, your legs. It is located in the middle of your chest. Just to the left of our breastbone, the heart is actually just a giant muscle. It's composed of just a very few basic... It's composed of a very few basic parts. Everybody say the heart. Each part of our heart. Each part of our heart has a very distinct function. Right? Remember my health class, right? There's uh, actually four parts of it. You've got parts where it's going, blood's going in, and you've got parts where blood's going out. And if I remember right, there's two areas of that where it goes in, two areas where it comes out. And all the parts must work together seamlessly and simultaneously to keep this blood flowing through our body. You can't have one part of your heart pumping and another part of the heart not. You can't have the inflow working and the outflow plugged up. Or they can cause what's 
known as a massive heart attack. Your heart can explode. You can't have the in inflow plugged off and not allowing blood to come in, or then you're going to have a, a you know, it's going to cause some problems. Then you're going to have that blood flow is not going to happen through your body. Everything has to work in ordinance and in together. As important as the heart is to the natural body, every one of us has a spiritual heart. Everybody say a spiritual heart. According to Young's analytical concordance, the word heart or hearts appears 930 times in the verses in the scriptures. Obviously, the heart is a very important topic to God. Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus said to them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? Anybody know this? All thy heart, all thy soul, with all thy mind. He said this is the great commandment, and that is to love God with all your heart. It would appear that one of the most important things in all of Scripture is to have a healthy heart. Nowadays, people destroy their hearts with so many different things. Natural, natural hearts. Uh, uh, people have so many bad habits in their lives, so many different things they take in their life that, uh, you know, it just destroys our bodies. But when we look at the spiritual heart, what is the spiritual heart? We can say that God's given us a spiritual heart, and we can say that God needs to, and I'm going to talk about a new heart. What is this new heart that we need in our life? So I want to look at the structure and the function of the spiritual heart. The definition, if you study the word heart in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the heart seems to be uh, maybe quite complicated and complex. There are different functions associated when we look at the spiritual heart, Brother Donnie, and, and these overlap each other and cover up each other. They're like one may mean the same as the other. And these there are terms that definition of, of the spiritual heart. See, there's there's spirit, there's mind, and there's soul. It appears that the overall, the heart is the seat. It is this core. It is the center aspect of our inner nature. It is where everything about us comes from is the spiritual heart. The part that makes up the real person that we are before God is what's called the heart. Proverbs 4 and 23 tells us how important this spiritual heart is. When he says, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Every issue that you deal with in your life comes from your spiritual heart. That spiritual person, that person that you are, it's the heart. That sounds like an important part of our world. If it's if our heart, if out of our heart comes all the issues of life. Listen to other translations of this verse. The New International Version says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything that you do in life flows from your spiritual heart, whether you consider yourself spiritual or not. Because the fact of the matter is, we look at each other today and we see flesh and we see this but when this flesh dies what's what you're made up of will live on that is the spiritual part of you new trans the new living translation says guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life your spiritual heart determines which direction you're going to go in life 
Somebody says, I don't understand this. It hopefully will make sense here in a few minutes. The English Standard Version says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows springs of life. The Christian Standard Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. A couple more. The contemporary English Version says, carefully guard your thoughts, because they are the source of true life. Now see, now then, the, the uh, contemporary English Version is bringing it more to what the heart is all about. He says, guard your thoughts. Because they are the source of true life. The Good News Translation says, Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. You see, again, the heart is the seat. It is the core aspect of our inner source of everything that we are. God created us with only three main parts. It's spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. We see the body today. Every one of us can see the body. We see the soul. We can't see the soul. But that soul is the part that's either going to live on in eternity or it's either going to uh, die and burn forever in hell. The spirit part of you is where the part of the heart comes from because the spirit part of you is what determines where you go and what you do, whether you live for God or whether you don't live for God. It is the spirit of man. First Thessalonians 5.23 talks about this. And the very God of peace sanctify ye holy. And I pray God your whole spirit. He said every bit of you. Your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heart is not a separate organ. It simply is an arrangement of these things. It is an arrangement of our soul and our mind. In our will and our emotion. Plus, we can add in also the conscience because the conscience is what leads our spirit, what leads our heart to the place that it needs to go. So, over the next four weeks after this, I'm going to take four parts of our heart that determines where we're going to go and what we're going to do in our life. There's four parts of the heart that I want to talk about that's going to that determines whether we're going to go to hell or where we're going to go to heaven. That determines whether you're going to have a good day or you're going to have a bad day. That determines whether you make it through a trial or whether you're going to be defeated in the trial. That will determine whether who you'll marry and who you won't marry. That determine whether you're still uh, whether you still have this or you have that. Because this heart is every issue of life comes out of your heart. If this heart is so important, what is the spiritual heart of man? Number one, it is your mind. Everybody say your mind. What is the mind? Matthew 9 and 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore, think you evil in your hearts. Well, how do we think in our heart? See, we, we think in the natural. We think, well, my heart all it does is pump blood, all right? It pumps blood through my body. But when you think about the spiritual heart, Jesus said, I know that you're thinking in your heart. The thinking part of our spiritual man, person is the mind. It is your thoughts. Everybody say thoughts. Jesus told them, he said, why are you thinking evil in your thoughts or in your mind? You see, the thinking is the function of the mind. And here it speaks of thinking in your heart. So part of your spiritual man, part of your spiritual heart is your thinking capacity. What you're thinking about. Because what you think about determines where you go. Amen. Most of us 
If we're setting, if I'm setting in that new tier, Sister Cheryl put, it's not you, by the way, it's you. But anyway, it's you though. But if I'm thinking about that cheer, that new cheer that's in the office, I'm sitting in that cheer and all of a sudden I get to thinking about something to drink. If I think about something to drink long enough, Brother Donnie, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go get me something to drink because my thinking pushes me to where I need to go. Or let's take it another way. If all of a sudden I get to sitting and thinking about how somebody has wronged me, how somebody has done me bad, and I think about that long enough, you know what? If I think hard enough and long enough about it, I want to kill that person, okay? That's why, that's why the Apostle Paul, he wrote the writer, he said, bring every thought into captivity. Casting down all imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing in captivity, what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is the spiritual man, Brother Don. I'm going to get on each of these subjects real good. I'm just going to kind of touch on them through here today. So from that verse, we can see that your mind is part of your heart. All right? You can envision your mind being part of the the part of your heart where the blood flows into your body because it has you have to have a flow into your heart to make it work. And you, if you don't have that flow, it don't work. Well, guess what? It's the same way with us. We gotta have that thought process flows into us because whatever flows into us will come out of us. And if you sit and think about stupid stuff long enough, you'll do stupid things. And if you sit and think about good stuff long enough, you'll do good things. So that part of the heart is the inflow. All right. The next thing is the wheel. Everybody say wheel. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of the sun of the spirit and the joints of morrows and the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The will is the intentions of the heart. In 4 and 12 of Hebrews, it confirms that both our mind and our will are part of the heart. The verse says the word of God is living, it's operating, and able to discern what? The, not only your thoughts, but also the intentions of the heart. Not only what you're thinking, but what your will is. What you Your will is what you determine to do. It's your intentions. And first it confirms that the thoughts, what I've already said, that it confirms that thoughts is part of the heart. I just covered that. Then it goes on to talk about the intentions of the heart. That, that means that intentions is what we intend to do. It's your will. That's why, that's why Jesus taught, taught us in, in the Lord's Prayer that, that we pray, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. Because, see, if we do our will, we start using our thoughts and our thinking because our thinking is this. When somebody wrongs me, I'm going to bust them in the nose. But when we think about the way Jesus wants us to think and we take on Jesus' thinking, well, initially we may have that, I'm going to bust him in the nose, but then all of a sudden we go to that part where I talked about the other Thursday night where he says, bless those that curse you. If your enemy comes along, give him a drink, not a poison. Okay? See, and this is why we need God's thinking and we don't need our thinking because our thinking produces our will. And that's why he said we need to pray, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. We need to have the mind of Christ. We'll get about, we'll get into that later through this day. We've got to have the mind of Christ because if we don't have the mind of Christ, we have the mind of 
the flesh, which is pushed by Satan. So the second part, first is, is thoughts, thinking. The second part is the intentions, which is our will, because the thoughts produces our intentions, our will. And then the next thing is our emotion. Everybody say emotion. John 16 and 22 says, And know ye therefore, and, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. Somebody say, your heart shall rejoice. And your joy, no man taketh from you. Before Jesus went to the cross, he, he looked at his disciples, he said, look, I know you're fixing to have some sorrow, but I'm going to see you again, don't worry about it. He said, and when I see you again, your hearts are going to rejoice. So, since rejoicing is an expression of emotion, our hearts, another part of our heart is emotion. It's another part of, our, of, of what the heart is made up of. Because what our thinking pushes us to do, our intentions, our will, and that usually produces an emotion. Just like if you begin to think about the wrong thing long enough, you'll act on that with your will, and that will will bring an emotion. So you think about that person that hurt you long enough, you'll either try to, because hurting people hurt people, you'll, you'll, you'll think about them hurting you long enough that before too long your intentions and wills will bring an emotion of anger and upset, and you'll get yourself in trouble. Oh, we can think about it the other way. Paul said, I think myself happy. Paul thought long enough about all the goodness that God has done to him and for him, Brother Donnie, and before long he thought himself into an emotion of happiness. You know why some people are not happy and they don't have no joy in their life? Because their spiritual heart is all messed up and they're thinking about the wrong things and they're acting through a wheel of the wrong things and producing the wrong emotion in their life and they're not ever happy. They're always sad. But let me tell you what. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul shouts, Hallelujah! And Brother Donnie, when we can think on the right, when our spiritual heart gets to the place that it needs to be, and it begins to act, hallelujah, with a will and intent, and it brings an emotion inside of me, there ain't nothing you can do to me to make me sad. There is nothing you can do to me to make me unhappy. I'm happy because I choose to be happy because I think myself that way. Praise God. I'll get there on that. In the last part, the last part of this Spiritual heart is the conscience. Everybody say conscience. Hebrews 10, 22 says, Let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Finally, here from Hebrews 10.22, we can see that our conscience is a part of our heart. Our conscience. So have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. It, it, it tells us, it points towards the fact that our conscience is a part of your heart. Anybody know what your conscience is? In case you don't know what your conscience is, let, let, me, let me tell you what your conscience is. The conscience is that part of you 
that determines what you will do in the end and what you won't do. Years might say, well, that person just ain't even got a conscience. And it would seem to be that way. And Brother Donnie, people who don't have a conscience is people that can do anything. In the Bible, it literally speaks about how the conscience can be seared with a hot arm. In other words, if you've ever seared, you ever burn a place on your hand and it's seared real hot with that thing, it, it begins to, uh, now immediately, of course, it hurts, but it puts a scab over it and you can touch it. It's almost like it's, uh, it has no feeling. And that's what happens with our conscience. The conscience is the part that governs your feelings in your life. And if you don't have feelings, you can uh, you can do anything. But let me tell you what, if you do have feelings, I'm going to tell you what, that'll help. Now, we can't just let our feelings govern our lives and everything we do. But we also got to understand that the conscience needs to be governed by something in our life. And that's what the conscience is. We have a conscience. And Brother Donnie, it needs to be covered by the blood of God. And this series that we finished up last week was all about getting our hearts cleaned out. Getting the junk out of our spiritual heart. Cleaning that residue out of our spiritual heart. Killing things that would try to steal our spiritual heart. Brings me back to some scriptures that I read earlier when I said the unclean spirit. Matthew 12, 43 and in 44, and I said, the unclean spirit goes out of a man and walking through dry places and seeking rest. He finds none. And then he said, I'm going I'm to go back to that house where I came out. And he finds it an empty, swept, and garnished. See, this is what the process, what I just talked about. It, it's the pro And honestly, if you didn't catch it through that series, that process is the process of being born again. Because when you, when you clean out the junk, it's a type of repentance. And when you begin to cleanse, if you was here during them, you found out that I talked about the way we cleanse our life is through the word of God. But also the initial cleansing is through the baptism of Jesus Christ in the name of uh, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. That is a way we cleanse our life. And the last cleansing was about killing things. It's killing the flesh. But initially, it's God filling you with the Holy Ghost. And that's the born-again experience of being born again of the water and of the Spirit. But once we're born again of the water and the Spirit, it takes us every day doing something. We can't just leave that spot inside of us empty. And God, you know what? we got to prepare our hearts for progress. And we can't now just leave this spot empty and swept and gone as garnished. We need to put something in that place now. It brings me back to that second verse that I read at the beginning of this message in Ezekiel 36 and 26. It said, a new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put in you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. We come When we come to Jesus, he's not content to just leave us like he found us. He don't want to leave that heart empty. Jesus will take us any way we come to him. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how many addictions you have when you come to Jesus. 
It doesn't matter what kind of sins you've done, what you have. None of that matters to Jesus. But he wants to give us something new. He doesn't want to leave us broken. He doesn't want to leave us empty. He doesn't want to leave us in that old place that we was. He wants to give us a new heart. He wants to give us a new mind, a new way of thinking. You know why so many people come to God and they can't live for God successfully? Because they try to live God, live for God with that old spiritual heart. And you can't live for God with the old spiritual heart because the old spiritual heart is your old way of thinking, your old way of doing things. You can't go back to your old life. You can't go back to your old style of living. But you've got to have a new life and a new way of living and a new way of thinking. And he wants to give you a new mind, a new thoughts. Hallelujah. He wants to give you a new mind and new thoughts. Let me ask you this today. That being the first part of the spiritual heart, how many would like to have a different way of thinking than the way you think sometimes? I'd like to have a different way of thinking. I promise you, since all this stuff has, has happened with Jacob and everything, I have to catch myself because if I, uh, you know, we're all made different, but this has been my mindset. If I get to thinking about it too much, I get mad. I want to go bust somebody in the nose. I want to go take justice in my hand and take over with it and, and, and do something about it. Then I have to rein that thing in, take that that old that old man's thinking and get it out of the way and say, okay, Jesus, you've got to do some thinking for me because if I think like this much longer, I'm going to get in trouble. He wants to give us a new will and new intentions. How many would like to uh, like your will to be different than it is right now? You know, how you get up in the morning and feel like you just ain't got the will to get out of bed. You just ain't got the will to make it through this day. You ain't got enough will just to just to open your Bible and read it. You don't got enough will to get up on a Sunday morning and go to the house of God. You ain't got enough will, hallelujah, to go knock on a door and invite somebody to the house of God. You ain't got enough will inside of you to make it on a Thursday night, hallelujah, or, to, or find a place and pray through to the Holy Ghost. You don't have the will, but God wants to give you a new will. He wants to give you a new determination. He wants to give you a new intent in your life. He wants to give you new emotions. <laughs> How many like to have some new emotions? Oh, come on. Because this is where we want to get to right here. Because this is where we really live. It's emotional. Some of us, we ain't nothing but an emotional wreck, Brother Cliff. Oh, come on. You're getting on my nerves. That's what we want to say. And you're getting on my everlasting nerve. We, we just go through all this stuff and, and we're such an emotional wreck. And you're not, you can't even look at some people halfway and their feelings are hurt or, or they're ready to go run off and do what. Let me tell you what. I, I want to have some new emotions. I don't want to wake up sad. I don't want to wake up in a, in a pit where I feel like I can't make it through another day. I want to wake up and have happiness inside of me. Enjoy inside. I want to enjoy my day. I want to enjoy living. And God wants you to enjoy living. Hallelujah. He wants to give you some new emotions inside of you. 
I didn't want to look at your enemies. And if you don't, you need to go pray through. But how many would really like to be able to look at your enemies and every time you see them, they didn't make you mad and get your emotions all tore up. But you'd like to be able to look at them and, and actually say, you know what? I feel sorry for them. They need what I got. They need a, a new spirit. They need a new heart. They need Jesus inside of them like I got it. We need a good dose of empathy in our heart. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. Emotions. Emotions inside of us that, that that's because we're governed by our emotions, all right? The emotions that are what we're feeling and all this stuff. God wants to give us a new emotion. He don't want to just give you a part of a new spiritual heart. He wants to give you a whole new heart. He wants to give you a new conscience. I'd like to have a, a new conscience, a new way. Because this is what the conscience is. It's what governs our life. The conscience is what sets yourself. See, because the conscience is what the is the end part of this, this heart. It, it's the part that 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 determines where you go and what you do is this conscious. Remember the verse that I read earlier, Proverbs 4.23, keep the heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And the conscious, Brother Donnie, is what governs. And see what most people are doing, they're living by the conscience of sin. Sin's ultimate goal for you is to eliminate what really should govern our life, which is the word of God. That, that's the devil's goal, is that we would not be, our conscience would not live by this, but the conscience would be lived by the world standard. The conscience is what governs what our life does. This is why I, I, as I laid here and I, and I sought God, I, I laid right here behind this Bible stand and I prayed and I asked God, I said, God help me, what do we need? And I just felt so strong that, that some of us, we have, we have lived in this place so long that we've gotten used to the dark. We've gotten used to a certain way of living and we, and we feel like this is the only way life can ever be for me and my family and my kids. I come against that today because that is not the will of God. It is the will of God for you to be happy. You're not going to live every waking moment of your life happy. You're going to have bad days, and you're going to have sad days, and you're going to have days when, when you're not going to, your emotions are not going to be high. But I'm going to tell you, by and large, uh, Brother Donnie, we, be, we should be able to live in the place in God that our spiritual heart is so healthy that by and large, our thinking and our will and, and our emotions and our conscience is working like it's supposed to work. So it governs your, your life and it takes you to the place that you need to go. Just as our natural and physical heart is the most important part of our natural body, so is the spiritual heart. I hope you can understand just for what I've said here today. The spiritual heart is the most important part of your walk with God. Not what you look like on the outside. And you know me. I know we've got to live and dress 
holy and all of that. It's, it's not all of that. It's not the fact that when you come to church every Sunday, I've seen people come to church every Sunday and they never miss, the, miss their tithes and they never miss paying offerings and giving special services. But yet, Brother Donnie, their spiritual heart was just as black as it could be and it was hard as it could be because there was no empathy, there was no love, there was no there was no happiness inside of them. They, they had a dread about them, even though they went through the principles and they, they followed all that stuff, you know what? They may have looked the part of, a, of what a, a, an apostolic should look like from head to toe, and they and they look just like it, you know. But when you met them at Walmart, my goodness, you, you you'd, you'd rather met one of your sinner friends that was laughing and happy and enjoying life because you look at them and you think, my goodness, they eat a jar of pickles when they come to, to come to Walmart. Hallelujah! It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't look like we eat prunes, prune, prune juice, and all this kind. We go, we go to the restaurants and we see some apostolic sitting in the seat and, 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 and sitting, sitting in there with their family, and you can tell you know, the kids are afraid of mom and daddy, and mom and daddy's afraid of the kids, and, and their emotions is all over the world, and, and everything's all messed up. That's not the will of God. The will of God is for us to have a spiritual heart that's healthy and it's flowing, and and, and it's what drives us, and it's what what pushes. Us as to where we need to be. Nobody will live a successful walk with Jesus if your heart is not right. That's why people say, I gave my heart to Jesus. We've heard that analogy so many times. I gave my heart to Jesus. If you did, you gave him your thoughts. You gave him your will. You gave him your emotions and you're governed by his conscience. Because if you truly give your heart to Jesus, that's what it means. That it's not your thoughts no more. Your thoughts becomes his thoughts. Your will becomes his will. Your emotions is governed by his emotions. Hallelujah. And your conscience is governed by his conscience. And Jesus wants to help us today. Ezekiel 11, 19 through 21 says, And I will give you them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of the flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statues and keep my ordinances and do them, and that my that they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Why does he want to give us this new heart, Brother Donnie? Because that way we would walk in his statues, or other we would be governed by his conscience and not our conscience, the world's conscience. And, and we would be uh, his people. We will walk by his statues and everything. He goes on to say in verse 20, but as for those whose heart walketh after the heart of their detestable things and their abominations, in other words, he said, those who refuse the new heart, those who refuse to be lived and governed by my way of thinking and my will and, and the emotions that I want you to have and the conscience that, that you're supposed to have, he said, I will recompense their way upon their own heads, said the Lord. Listen to the New Living Translation of that same passage. It puts better light to us. He said, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them and take away the stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. You see, this is the heart that God wants to give us, a tender, responsive heart that we may obey. He said that they will obey my decrees and regulations, that they will truly be my people and I'll be their God. And he said, but as for those who long for vile images and detestable idols, he said, I'm going to repay them fully for their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. What, what do you mean with this, brother? The Lord, I mean this. If we're not willing to give God 
This is what this scripture says right here. If we're not willing to give God our heart, the old heart, and let him give us a new heart, which is his way of thinking. It's his will. It's emotions that promote love, empathy, passion, joy, and happiness. It's a heart that's governed by his conscience, which is the word of God, and not our own conscience. He said, if you don't, I'm going to repay you for your sin. Otherwise, he's saying, you're a sinner. If we don't give him our heart, basically saying, you're a sinner, and I'm going to repay you for your sin. And, and I don't know this generation that we're living in right now. For some reason, Brother Cliff, it seems that we think we can sin and go to heaven. It's not true. Okay. Now, now, we can sit and we can debate what sin is, okay? We can debate this all day long. But nowadays, I'm talking about Ten Commandments. People just break and they well, they don't mean nothing anymore. You know, steal, lie, kill, adultery, fornication. I mean, just listen, sin is still sin in your life unless you've truly repented from it. And true repentance is you stop doing it. And, and, and this, this idea, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, and then I'll just ask God to forgive me tonight or next time I come to church. Don't work that way. What if you die? According to the Bible here, the conscience, according to our conscience. See, this is why people are able to do this. They're not living by the real conscience that, that governs the spiritual heart. They're living by the conscience of this world that said, oh, it, it's okay to be a homosexual and go to heaven. I don't reckon I read this in the conscience of the word of God. Absolutely. It has to be sin out of our lives. And he said, look, and if, if you don't get that out of your life, I'm going to repay you for your sin. And the only payment of sin that I, I see in the word of God is the wages of sin is death. No sin shall enter in. And folks, that's why it's important for us to have a spiritual heart because we don't have a spiritual heart. The spiritual heart, basically, we we almost said it this way. Instead of just saying spiritual heart, it's a spiritual mind. Because the mind is what governs everything that we do. And this is why I'm going to take the next four Sundays and I'm going to help us with every area of this heart so we can be his people. I don't know about you, but I don't want him to repay me for my sins. I'm not sitting here telling you today that I don't have sins. I mess up. Every day I strive not to sin. But I am not perfect. I don't struggle with what some people struggle with as far as sins. My sins, Brother Donnie, is okay. I get upset and I, uh, 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 I get mad at Cheryl or the kids or whatever. And I uh, say too much. I cuss. I don't cuss. I'm going to have that inside there. Say too much and snap at them wrong. And then I got to. I got to go ask God, forgive me, or, or I spend too much time on other things and I, I let that become an idol in my life and I spend less. That That's where my struggles is. And, and I'm not tempted with other things that, that a lot of people call sin. But there is more sin than just that, okay? I need him to give me a new heart. So at the end of the day, what I do, I do or I practice at Paul, so I die daily. Every day, I ask God to forgive me. I do it at the beginning. Try to do it at the end of the day. God, forgive me for my sins. God, for something inside of me I don't know that cleanse me out because I don't want sin in my life. 
I close today with a story of David. David was an incredible man, the word of God. He was the second king of Israel. David was a man that was passionate about God. He was a man that loved God very much and very dearly. David um, was a man that tried his best to please God in all that he done. But David messed up. One day when David should have been out fighting with his with his army, he, he stayed at home. I would think that most of us know the story, but in case you don't, let me just paraphrase it quickly. But he goes out and he looks across from his high spot on his castle where he was, and he sees Bathsheba, one of his mighty men's wives. And he sees her, he sees her out there bathing. David begins to let his spiritual heart wane from him, and he begins to let the old heart rule and govern him. He let lust get a hold of him. And he took in this woman Bathsheba into his house, and he committed adultery with her by um, having sexual relations with her. Trying to cover up his sin, Brother Donnie, he, uh, he had her husband Uriah from the front line and killed so we see this king, this man, that the Bible says in Acts chapter 13 and 22, he said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill. Notice what he says, all my will. Understand something today. This spiritual heart that God wants to give us is a heart that follows the will of God. Follows his emotions. And David was a man, even though he made great mistakes. He, he had so much bloodshed that he wouldn't even let him build the temple. He said, there been too much bloodshed in your life. But there was something about David. He sought God to give him another heart. And I close with this today. Psalms 51 and 7. After David done this horrible sin with Bathsheba, Prophet Nathan come and said, David, you're the man. You've sinned. You've messed up. Looked at him. David had something inside of him that's a repentant heart. And he wrote this in Psalms 51 and 7. He said, purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He said, make me to hear the joy and gladness. Listen to me. All this stuff I've been talking about, here's David talking about it. He lost his joy. He lost his gladness. He realized that his heart was messed up and he was thinking with the wrong type of heart, with the wrong darkness. He said, God, help me to hear the joy and gladness, the right emotions again, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He said, hide thy face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities or my sins. He makes this statement. He said, create in me a clean heart. David understood something. His heart had got messed up. And he said, God, I need a clean heart. He goes on to say, renew a right spirit within me. He said, cast not away my pre thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David understood something. He said, God, if I'm going to be right with you, my heart's going to be right. In church, this is us today. Every one of us. 
Every day we got to have heart surgery. Every day we got to search our hearts. We got to search our spirits and we got to ask God to help us have a clean and a right heart and a right spirit because the out of our hearts comes the issues of life. And if our hearts are not right, we're not right with God. And I need to be right with God. So today I encourage you to come ask Jesus to help you today. Come seek God. Seek him at your seat. Let's ask God. And I, I, I challenge you over the next few weeks that you would begin to search out some scriptures for yourself. Search out some things in your spirit that we can make sure our hearts are where it needs to be. Come on, let's talk to Jesus for a few moments here today. Thank you.